Hello and welcome to the 17th British Football Coaches Network episode of a Developing Your Football World podcast. I'm Matt Ward again. I'm here with James McAloon. James, how are you doing, mate? You are on vacation right now. Can you give us a, a quick, quick, quick lowdown where you are? Yeah, uh, thanks, Matt. Great to be here. Um, I'm in Sapa in the north of Vietnam. Uh, I'm in a, a lovely mountain range, uh, living, living my best life currently, enjoying a little bit of time away from the field. So I've got my bamboo t-shirt on so I'm trying to blend in a little bit of camo but yeah it's great to be here and I'm really looking forward to the chat with Neil and yourself and, and, and rightly rightly deserved rightly deserved because you work hard my man and can you if it'll take a few seconds just show everybody and myself uh, the, the view you're looking at I've got a feeling it's going to be something special yeah I can do Matt. just let me just take the, the virtual background off yeah. and I'll show, I'll show you what's going on and then I'll put it back on. Just, it just I'll put the background back on. For, just all, in case for all the 30 people what might be watching on YouTube. Any, here we go. Everybody might get upset. And I'll try not to drop my laptop as oh, we turn around. Oh, look at this. Awesome. Look at this. And if you're watching, if you need a reason to coach or work abroad, this is it right now. There you yeah, go. Yeah, it's absolutely. You get to do, um, you get to see things that you'd never normally get to see. You get a chance to... Uh, to be in an environment that, that's completely different. And when you're not on the field, you can go and do things like this and, and, and go to the, the, the highest mountain on the Indochina Peninsula, which I did yesterday, which is Mount Fanjipan. Absolutely. I think that's about said right. Yeah, I think so. It sounded right. And absolutely, mate, because uh, our guest joined us today, uh, he's turned himself from a chef to a football coach. And since then, he's travelled to three countries where he's coached at. His current one being Mexico, and in the past he's also been in Vietnam and USA. Today it's a great pleasure to introduce Neil Connor onto the pod. Neil, how are you doing, mate? And thank you for joining us. Yeah, doing well, mate. Thanks for inviting me. I can't show you any, you know, super background of some bloody mountains <laughs> or uh, ice cold beer. You can't even see Goodison Park from here, mate. So, uh, <laughs> well, well, well that, that's a bit of a letdown already, but I'm sure the episode is going to get better <laughs> from here. <laughs> So let's give it a go, mate. Start off. Tell us about how you changed from chef to coach. What made you think about this? What was a moment that it just something triggered inside you? I don't know. Tell us about it. How did it all get put together? Yeah, it's um, it's been a um, two and a half years. I've been you know football coaching, um, so it's been a massive. Uh, change and a quick change for me which just shows you know the ability of what you can do when you put your mind to it I suppose but so it's just a little backstory uh went to university in London uh to become an engineer um and I was doing some cooking at the time to try and obviously give me some money as uh, you know little beer tokens um did engineering did a master's in engineering then found out that when I actually got a job in engineering I hated it so <laughs> uh, it wasn't a waste at all I no, developed as a the, the, the thing is right Many people, most people do. Well, I talked to a few engineers, and it's the same. But they just don't get out of it, and that's it. It's a job. Yeah, for sure. And I, so I was exactly the same. I was designing telecommunications cabinets for the highways agency. I mean, I'm just laughing about it now. It sounds so boring. Uh, so I was doing that, but I was cooking at the same time. So uh, finished engineering, then I thought, you know what? I quite like being a cook. So went into being a chef. Started out as a kitchen porter, working for my brother. 
um, and uh, just I'd never witnessed any environment like it in my life. It was uh, it was rock and roll. It was working 60, 70 hours a week. It was learning to cook. It was it was it was amazing. So um, managed to keep that going. Travelled a bit. Um, worked over in France and Spain, but stayed in England, mostly London. And then, as soon as a flash, 20 years go by, and then you saw me personally, I just woke was up it, and I was like... Was that what it was? 20 years? 20 years yeah, cooking? Yeah, it's 20 years. And uh, don't get me wrong, I'll not take anything away from the uh, hospitality industry. It, it was great while it was going, but, you know, when you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, one one uh, job I had, I worked two months without a day off. So nothing against the industry. It's, um, it's uh, you either work in it and you like it, or you don't and you don't work in it, so... Um, so yeah, about three years ago, I uh, came to a point, you know, I want to settle down, married kids and all the, you know, the adult stuff. Um, and I decided that I couldn't really do it in my current role, you know, being a chef. So I thought, well, if I'm going to change career, I want to do something that, you know, I, I think I'm going to enjoy. Love football, played as a kid, you know, did a little bit of managing at university, but not much. So um, I thought, well, you know, actually, here we go. Maybe I could be a football coach. So uh, about two and a half years ago, just before Christmas, I booked onto a level one course in Basingstoke. And uh, I remember on the morning of the course, um, because my muscle memory for 20 years had been cooking inside four walls, you know, don't give a window to chefs, you know, they're like vampires. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Go mad. Um, I, uh, on the morning of the level one course, I was like, I'm not going, can't do it. There's no way I'm going to be able to do it. You know, all these experienced coaches. I was thinking Pep Guardiola's going to be there. <laughs> yeah. You know, just putting the, putting the cones out. <laughs> because I didn't know anything about it. I'd never been for in that sure, environment. For sure. you create this story in your mind of how bad it's going to be. And it never turns out that bad, of course. But um, so, yeah, in the morning I was 50-50. Anyway, I went, absolutely loved it. The, the new level one and level two courses that they designed are, really great of, of introducing you to coaching and what i'd realized on the level one is i've been coaching people for 20 years all i was doing now was it was in a different environment it's just football now i just i need to learn how to adapt it. Uh, did the level one um loved it and then decided that um after the level one i was going to go traveling anyway i've been traveling quite a lot in my life um so decided to go traveling again I was actually out in australia with friends and uh, got put onto your you know British Football Coaches Network and all these jobs thought oh my god this is amazing maybe because I thought at 40 years old I thought maybe I'm too old now to be able to work abroad you know it's, uh, you need visas and you need all this you know so um so, so, so Neil sorry to sorry to interrupt that that was that was just going to go on to kind of the first topic you you are actually one of the the, the earliest earliest members you're in a group of earliest members of the British Football Coaches Network. So can you just tell everyone, for, the, for my benefit as well, but for the benefit of everyone listening, how many roles now have you got through the network? All my roles that I've got <laughs> since I my level one coaching. I got my first role, which was when I was in Australia, I got my first role in Vietnam, which was a volunteer position, which was great. Yeah. You know, And you've already, I think you've interviewed Luke. Um, you went out and saw him in Taiwan. He was there. Luke was there with me. Uh, did that in Vietnam, then got my second one uh, for a company in the States. And then the third one now is in Mexico. So without, you know, without your work uh, that you do with the network, uh, I wouldn't have been able to develop so quickly. But, so. but mate, but mate, uh, yeah, th thanks for that anyway. But, but all the, all the work, you've, you've obviously got it down to a T. 
of actually applying for, <laughs> applying for roles because look, I know just like everyone, right? If you apply for a job, so do a hundred other people, maybe more, maybe less. And some people are going to be disappointed. And then there's probably one or two or a few will actually get it and you, you get to hear about it. But for someone who's actually picked up three opportunities in a row, you're obviously doing something right. And, and you, say, you say about your age, maybe that's going for you or you're just coming across better. It's a possibility. Yeah. Or maybe they, the people who are uh, hiring you want a bit of maturity or they want to know that you aren't going to be running away after a, a, a week or that you're not going to be screwing them over or you're not going to be getting drunk every night, maybe just a few nights a week, but not every night and, and turn up late and everything. So, yeah. so mate, that, that's amazing to hear. And I'm really happy that, you know, it's great to hear from a, an, an early member that you have found it really beneficial. And, and just starting now on, on the first role in, in, in uh, Vietnam. So like you said, it was a volunteering role. Right? And a lot of people still frown upon it and especially volunteering abroad. Not many will do that. Now, on the scale of sacrifice, what I talk about, that's like level eight, nine, and 10. That's putting yourself out there. I'm going to volunteer to get into football, but not only volunteer, I'm going to do it abroad. There's too many barriers. I can't afford it. I can't get the flight. I don't know where to live. I won't have a house. I don't like the sun. I don't like mosquitoes. You went and did it. Can you, can you tell us about going there, how it was the experience going there as an actual football coach, coach now, not a chef, and how it was when you got there and how you was looked after and how the job was for you, etc. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, the, the, the role in Vietnam, uh, volunteer position, I knew that because I was coming late to the industry, there would be people out there with 10, 15, 20 years more experience than me um, in a coaching environment, in a, in a football coaching environment. So I needed to sacrifice everything that I could to try and get ahead when I'm applying for these roles, right? So my age was going for me. The reason I had traveled to Vietnam before and I've done loads of traveling. I'd managed my own businesses. I'd been a head chef. So I, all this was going for me. But what I, what I found, the reason why I initially looked abroad is because the opportunities in England for me, um, for a level one, even a level two coach, are really limited. You know, you have to piece together four or five jobs part-time. You know, you only get on a UA for B now if you're in a regional talent centre. So all these things that were stopping me from what I wanted to do in, in, in England, I found that that was no... When I did it abroad, they were, no, they were not barriers at all. I didn't yeah. need any at all. So that's why I decided to be able to. And I also knew that, you know, starting as a kitchen porter and then working my way up to a chef, I knew that actually you learn so much more by starting right at the bottom. And especially if you're a volunteer, you just, you know, I think nowadays some people have lost the uh, ability to observe, is to just sit back and look at professionals and take notes and I remember the first couple of days in Vietnam my boss was like can't believe you're writing loads of notes I was like I mean this is gold <laughs> do you know what I mean I'm like these coaches like I've been doing it for years and I, I, I said I couldn't write enough you know I was like my pen was on fire writing so much so um, you know it was an absolute massive opportunity before I went out that you know I was kind of nervous because I was going into an environment even though it wasn't paid you know they were paying for my accommodation you know so um, I, I still uh, you know wanted to do a really good job you know I still wanted to make sure that I was uh, you know worthy of being employed so um, I, I made sure that you know I was doing as much as I could so nervous before I got there guys were great you know let me just watch and observe as many sessions as I want then started doing a couple of sessions a couple of parts in sessions 
um, and then uh, doing some camps and stuff like that as well. So yeah, that was Vietnam. Great experience. It's fascinating, Neil, listening to what you're saying. There's, there's, there's a couple of points to, that I really want to focus in on, and, and that would be the first bit that you said, that, that kind of nervous uh, excitement that you had when, when you first came to Vietnam and the qualities that you brought to the role, having had experience in a different industry. You be, and we spoke to, we, we speak to lots of people, uh, not just on the show, but outside and, and as, an, uh, as an academy owner. You'd be surprised how many young, let's not tie all young people with the same brush, but younger coaches will come out and they won't embrace themselves and learn from others and, and look and watch. There'll be, there'll be a lot of ego on show saying, oh, I already know this. I can do this. I can do that. What I'd like to ask is that first moment. So you'd obviously, before you went out to Australia, you got a job and then you came to Vietnam. That first moment when although, as you said, it was volunteering, you knew you were employed and your job was to be a football coach. Is there any, how can you best describe that to, to everybody listening and anybody who might be thinking of changing career? Because this is the first time you would have had a, a professional job as a football coach. You're in full-time football. How did that feel? Like I suppose I said before, before I went on the level one, that you know, before when you're doing something new, your brain creates these false uh, sort of negatives that that never actually appear. I don't, you know, if you write down, I was told before that if you write down all your negative thoughts before you do something, then look at them after, like, most of them won't, you know, they won't actually occur. So, um, I, I, I uh, as I say, it was it was nervous being out there, but. That excitement of doing something new. My my brain had changed. You know, the muscle memory for twenty years was the same thing. So, so I I forgot how to learn as as an individual. You know, I I got to a point in my industry where I did really well. I was never trained, but I did really well. I was really respected in my game. Uh, got you know very well paid for it. But learning and growing as an individual, I I forgot it. I stopped it all. I wouldn't go to any meetings because I thought it was too big. Uh, my ego was um, not on show. I'm not like that, but you know, professionally, I was like, don't need to go at that. Don't need to go. So I'd stopped developing and learning as a person. So the first couple of days of being in my break, I was so tired <laughs> after like the first couple <laughs> of days because I was trying to take so much information in that yeah. I forgot how to process and learn stuff before. So um, yeah, it was the, um, I, I felt like a kid on the first day of school again. And then going on from that, when, when did you really feel like, okay, I've, I've got this? When did you feel comfortable? Did it take weeks? Did it take days? Did it take, how long did it take to then go, yes, I'm here, I've arrived, I'm a football coach now? It's, um, I suppose, you know, it's going to be different for everyone, right? I, I yeah, still, yeah. I still it's, it's strange for me. I, I still think that I'm not there. I still think that there's always, I think maybe before I retire, like the week before I retire, <laughs> <laughs> done that now yeah I'm a football coach because um, I've got so much to learn I've got so many years ahead to catch up from anywhere else I know I'm really comfortable now in coaching environment you know I know that before I was never good at coaching in front of peers you know especially when you're new to an industry you don't want to oh what if I make mistakes but actually you know the mistakes part of it is where you learn the most so um, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm you know set in saying that I'm a football coach yet I think that uh I constantly, you know, strive to learn more. Um, but obviously, you know, I, I tell you what, the, I suppose the point I'm trying to make is that now I don't think about chefing anymore. I only think about coaching. Yeah. So I yeah. in that, when, when that point was probably when I was in America, um, I was doing um, 
the job in America was really, it was quite, it was, uh, it was really, it's really different coaching in America, right? This is part of my experience that I wanted was coaching in different countries. I, I know the, you know, the English FA have got the four corner model and what they do, but I'm a believer in, well, what makes that the truth? I want to go and look elsewhere to try and get more knowledge. So coaching in America when soccer is, you know, sport number six and you have to really challenge yourself to try and engage kids to keep them coming is uh, that's when I knew in America that I was now in the coaching environment that was my industry and not Sheffield anymore that makes sense perfect advice perfect advice Neil keep learning keep listening and you've and you've never made it you've never made it you keep going I find it I find it really really inspiring mate and then obviously you've got the humility also to actually be realistic but also be confident now that yeah okay i've been doing it for two and a half years or whatever but you're you're comfortable with where you're at you're comfortable about talking about it and there's there's a lot of people trying to hide little things or hide big things and it, it ends up it ends it ends up uh it ends up coming back to bite them on the ass and they kind of sink into a hole because they don't want to lose their, uh, their, their character, what they're pretending to be. So the, the main thing is, mate, that you're, you're really comfortable and in a good place. So what, before we move on to the US of A, uh, what was the, the biggest uh, learning point of Vietnam for you? What did you take away from it the most uh, with regards to coaching? I suppose, I suppose it's that no one's Pep Guardiola, right? You know, I built this industry up into everyone's like these super coaches. Oh my God, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be able to do it. But everyone is just trying to uh, be engaging to whatever team that they're trying to coach, right? There's no, there's no special tricks. There's no shortcuts. There's no, uh, there's no um, tips of, of, you know, this will make you the best coach in the world. It's you know it's just it's it's just all the learning experience right i got that i i felt that i was able to once i'd done vietnam coaching there i i knew then that actually i can compete with these i just need more time i think that was what what was the the great bit out of vietnam was good and also i suppose that you know the experience of being in vietnam was just amazing i traveled the coastline of vietnam years ago but when you're not only you know, traveling through a country and working in a country are two completely different things. You know, it's when you're living there and working there, you pick up the nuances of, you know, the culture um, and the coaching. And also we had to have, you know, interpreters, which I never thought of previously. So, you know, I remember that in my second week, I think it was, we some of the, we were volunteering at a, uh, it's called Blue Dragon. I don't know whether you're aware of it, James, but it's a foundation where they bring back traffic kids from like China and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we were looking yeah, we were yeah. out. We were on a Sunday to coach their kids, and about week two, the boss came in from my company and said, "We've got a tournament next weekend. Do you want to take a team?" I was like, "Hey, look, I'll do whatever. You're the boss. I'm here to learn whatever." But inside, I was like, "I don't know what I'm doing. What's going on?" So, you know, we took these teams to this tournament, and we had the translator, but he was spread across three different teams. So um, Luke, who you're aware of, Matt, um, he, he, he said to me, he said, well, if you want to do formation, just do a little small version of it on the side of the pitch. So, so obviously we just, I was like, action man, right? You stand there, you stand there, you know, four, four, two, okay. <laughs> and then no ball. And then, you know, it, it's just, it's amazing, right? Because you don't think of any of these nuances when, before you go out there to a different country. So what a learning experience that is that, 
actually football or coaching is a great way of um, sometimes you don't need words you know you can just visually show it, so. and, and, and that's smashing that because you find that working abroad it helps you communicate better as a coach even when you're using English because if you've had any experiences like you experienced not being able to use English you've got to find other ways you've got to create other ways of getting point across and that's what coaching is right you've got to use different means because everyone's got a different learning uh, type type of type of learning you know one size doesn't fit all so that's why the more tools you have for your communication to, to be put across the better coach you can become especially when communicating that, that's it that's a huge plus what was what was a couple of uh, things you took away from the from USA? Um, soccer's got a long way to go in America. I suppose that's what I brought <laughs> out to. Yeah, really. I, I, I was, you know, before I went out there, I was assuming, uh, yet again, that they have so much money. You know, it, you know, they've been, you know, playing soccer for a long time. They have all the facilities. You know, high school, varsity, junior. Yeah. They've got all these soccer teams. So I'm assuming that the level of standard of coaching out there is is way above everything else. And then obviously, when you get there, there's realities that, um, you know, it is sport number six or seven. Um, so you know, it's a lower lockdown. It's um, engagement is difficult. Um, there is a lot more pressure from the parents on uh, kids in, in, in America to succeed at whatever you know, sport they're doing. Um, it's more competitive rather than participation. So um, adaptability yet again in the States is that I had to change yet again. You know, they weren't in Vietnam. We were using different colors, cones, you know, visual aids, interpreters, you know, and in the States it was more... Um, more direct coaching of what what they thought they wanted but actually yeah. what I believe was that that's not necessarily the truth so um, it, it helps me adapt yet again I suppose is the biggest takeaway. I can imagine uh, the experience you had uh, and it's interesting kind of going from Vietnam straight to the US and then how quickly you got to like you said adapt and how flexible you got to be and you know I, I forgot to mention this before that's probably a key thing what people are looking at when hiring for uh, roles abroad, you've already traveled abroad. You're a bit older, so you work with people, you know how to work within people, mm. you know how to communicate, experience living abroad, etc. So there's thinking that your flexibility, your adaptability is quite high. And that's probably a, a good thing you got going for you, mate, really. So, take that as a massive positive because, you know, yeah. I felt that within England that that experience is because when you hand in a CV and it's only got level one or level two at the top is that that experience that all that experience below that title headline is, um, I believe anyway, of my experiences applying for jobs in England is just ignored. Is it that, you know, they want coaches to come in level two, they're going to stay, you know, I had the area, one of the area uh, coaches for the FA tell me that he wants English coaches to stay in England, you know, which is why I didn't get on the UA to be. So I feel that, and it's no, you know, I'm not having a go. I'm just saying these are the realities, you know, they want to yeah. keep, you know, coaches at the RTCs. I totally get it. So, you know, for a network like yourselves and these opportunities abroad for someone like me, it's absolutely perfect. You know, it's, they can just look at my CV and my experience and my knowledge and my travel and say, "This, we're going to get this guy." So, yeah, Does it become it becomes more about the person they're bringing over rather than sure. the experience, so to so to speak, or the qualifications, which is how it should be. Because you, you can you can teach a good person a lot. It's very difficult to to teach a not so good person who may have the skills already. 
I know which one I'd prefer. James, have you had any encounters with uh, good old soccer in the US of A? Um, limited, uh, to be honest. I've uh, the only kind of well, one question. Yeah, before I ask the question, I've got a couple of parts that I have had. We um, we've had a, on our summer tours. We do summer tours, as 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 you're aware, Matt, to to Europe. And we've had, um, I've got some, a, a close footballing connection who, who played at college in, in the US and also played in the professional women's game there. And she now, I think she might have moved now, but she was working in a, in a, in a boarding school, in a high school that prepares like a, a football specific high school uh, in the US. And we've sent a, a couple of players here from Vietnam who, who are good footballers who had probably re reached their capacity here in Vietnam in terms of the, the ability for them to grow as, as, as nationals, in, as, as in they're not local footballers. So there's no way, if they wanted to get better, if they wanted more experience, they had to go somewhere else. So we sent a couple of players over there to, to the US and they've done, reason, they've done reasonably well. Um, they've got college offers. Uh, the environment has been good. So that's my experience in that respect. The other experience is that they've sent over some players to join our European tours. So, and we've encountered how they've been coached and and how they and how they uh, they fit into the game. And I guess in that environment, it's been really good that they've adapted well. They've developed as footballers. But the players who have come to work with us have been fantastic human beings for a start, but also really really good footballers and have been able to to go on and, and play college football or, you know, it could, could go higher in the future. Um, so not loads of experience with the, with the U S um, but the experience I've had has, has been reasonably good. Um, maybe that's because of the environment that we've been working in and, and that kind of, and the aspect of where we were looking at. Uh, but the question I had for, for you, Neil was how were you treated as a coach coming into the to US. I don't know the environment you worked in there, so that's just an important part. As a, as a Brit, not, not just as a Brit, but as, as a coach, as a human being, how were, you, how were you looked after? Were you looked after well in the US or, or, or how, did it, how did it pan out? Yeah, um, you know, 99% of the times treated like, you know, royalty really, to be honest. You know, once they hear that English uh, accent or that British accent, uh, should say, is that, you know, they want to ask all the questions, does it rain 99.9% .9 of the time in England? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. Do, do you know the Queen? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, the typical questions. And they're just really inquisitive about it. You know, there's, there's uh, the kids that I was coaching, they didn't really know much knowledge of Europe or, you know, any, you know. England or Wales or Scotland stuff so it's really intriguing treated ever so well everywhere you go you know I, I, I really enjoyed my time in the States it was it was a really challenging coaching environment but actually for me the uh, living environment was uh, was really good and you know I enjoyed my time in America um, and the coaching environment you know it's not it's not uh, it's not any fault of any any people or anything you know that you you get some coaches that have coached baseball for 20 years and they come in and coach soccer and they're playing, you know, under eight, you know, they're playing in their under eights back four and they're, you know, telling all the kids where to do because that's just, that's where they, you know, that's where they come from. You know, yeah. it's, uh, yeah. that's their type of skills of coaching. So um, I know a couple of years ago we were doing, um, 
the new um, sort of um, coaching play practice play model that the the US Federation brought out. So they're trying to redevelop the coaching education, you know, for the parents and stuff uh, based on that because they're obviously multi-skilled coaches or from multi-sports. So um, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time in America. I've got to say it was, it was a really good experience. That's good to hear. And I think Matt, just to, I think from what I've known of you, we have lots of parents who might be from the US. It's always well intended. Um, I just think that, and okay, yes, there is the ones that aren't one of them, but generally the idea, as you say, you know, it's well intended, but maybe the education needs to be there to help them be better because you know they're always trying to do the right thing. So that's, one, that's my that's one typical example was that um, we were uh, uh, we were uh, contracted out to go and coach uh, somewhere else at high school for a week during a, a camp for their high school team um, during the summer. And um, we had known before that a director of football and director of coaching, DOCs, DOs, all these DO things that you get in the States. We had knew already that he wanted to do a, uh, he wanted to do a bleep test for the kids. And I was like, look, I'm, I'm fine. He can do, you know, I'm not being unprofessional. I was like, I'll coach, you know, night from six in the morning till 12 at night. If he's going to do the bleep test, I'd rather they do it because he's got, you know, that's not part of my remit. Yeah. And we were there for about four or five days and, Every day it was like, yeah, we'll do it today. Yeah, we'll do it today. And then uh, I think it was about day three and the kids had already done about an hour and a half session with me and we were all doing like loads of new stuff. So they were uh, mentally, they were um, tired as well as physically. You yeah. know, it was, it was a change in, in, in sort of speed for them. And then he drops and he says, right, bleep test. And then he comes and he sets them all up. And this is age range from U8 to U14. And the <laughs> yeah, See, so this is... Yeah, this is the, the, the little part I mean, which some struggle with. And, uh, you know, it happens in a lot of places and it, it, it's always going to continue to happen. And some people just think it's the right way. They yeah. probably have been educated, but they just, you know, because we're a DO of a DO of a DO, uh, they're the ones in charge and they think it's the right thing to do. I don't know how these people get that, these positions, but it's what happens. And just to mention one, one very well-respected American coach who's done a lot for... Uh, child education, child development uh, is Tom Byer, who's uh, who's very well thought of in the industry. He's he's been employed by uh, the China FA, and now I think he's back in the states now, having out in the states. But he's very well thought of, and, and you know, if I, I would I would hope that there'll be a, a lot more coaches like him, and I'm sure there is because obviously it's a bigger country, bigger bigger space, and, and bigger bigger net to cast over coaches. Uh, but so but there are some good eggs in there, but yeah, that's a great example of a, let's get the bleep test out for our eight-year-olds just to give them one last little smash before they go home. Make sure that they're <laughs> red all night. Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, that's what, that's what they do. You know, they're, they're more uh, focused on developing the athlete and yes, not the. Yeah, it's all athletes. So, and it's not, you know, it's just, it's a really great environment to be challenged as the coach though, I've got to say, because you're up against all this other um, sort of uh, embedded uh, coaching philosophies that they've had for years. So there is um, a real challenge to be able to get your points and your coaching points across in an environment that's been stagnant, in my opinion, for quite a while. So, yeah, sure. Take note of it. Sure. And now, and now you, you've, you've added all of this experience gradually as you're going along and then you, you're headed out to, to Mexico, Mexico City. Absolutely, yeah, Latin yeah. America. Okay, so, uh, okay, how, I was going to say how did that come about, but you got it from the British Football Coaches <laughs> which is I'll do it myself, I don't need any encouragement. Uh, yeah, they're, they're very direct. 
So you, you get there, mate. And was the environment any different than you imagined? Or was it too different than uh, USA? And uh, how, how's it going? So yeah, I uh, it, so it's it, West Ham United Academy is what it still is. We're just we're in the process of obviously a changeover. Okay. And, uh, it was a higher standard. Um, these kids, there's a you know a, a pathway through either university or to uh, Liga MX teams. So um, it was a, a different setup. Um, we had coaches that were UA for B, UA for A, strength and conditioning coach, goalkeeping coach, which I'd never worked in a environment where they they slot into your sessions. So they'd usually take the warm ups, you know, pre match and obviously uh, pre training as well. So it was yet again another step in in, in environment and, uh, to see what what different skills, you know, gym work, you know, ball work, you know, they were working on a model based on rotation of uh, coaches. So um from we have sessions from four till eight thirty uh, monday to thursday uh, most teams have three sessions and each uh we'd have maybe two or three teams on a full-size pitch uh, maybe two maximum and you'd have maybe three coaches and one would do one warm-up with the snc coach one would then take the unopposed and one would take the opposed so then you'd work in rotation i'd never done any of that before so yeah, again, another learning model to, to write down in my books. So, uh, yeah, it was just it was a different step up, uh, more on the competitive nature, not so much participation, although it is for the younger age groups. Yeah. Um, wearing a kit, you know, West Ham kit. I'm an Evertonian, so I always wear my Everton T-shirt on underneath. Just, uh, you, know. <laughs> <laughs> you get a rash. <laughs> my grandma will be turning in a grave. I think. <laughs> But, but Neil, joke, joking apart, mate, now now this, it, it seems so obvious when you say it, but literally this is what happens when you're in a career, you, you build your pathway in positions. You started, like we all do at some point, at the entry-entry level of volunteering. I, I started volunteering as well. And then you built up, next step, okay, went to America. Now next step, it, it's, a, it's another step up again. And as you said, you're experiencing something new you're working with different members of staff as well and you you can actually see your progress when you look back to where you are now and what you're doing to, to what you was doing so that's just evidence that it can be done whether you're starting out and you want to be a football coach just like you because you was i don't know fixing lamppost lights or whatever it's never too late to change if you're kind of already in the career but it, it's kind of stopped for some reason or labored or you're a part-time coach and you're thinking, should I stick with my full-time safe job, which I hate? Or should I put myself out there and try and become a coach? Or even if you're a more advanced coach or experienced coach and you need to go in a new direction as well. You just have to do it, right? You have to get yourself on that ladder. You need to inline yourself with that pathway and then follow through the steps of the pathway. It's a perfect example, mate. And, and how, how's the accommodation and living for you out there? How's that going? Yeah, so I, uh, initially I lived um, just around the corner from the academy. So my walk is about three minute work, uh, walk, but um, the, uh, obviously Mexico is about two and a half thousand meters you know, above sea level. So that walk takes me about 15 minutes. So, <laughs> so yeah, I live around the corner. Um, great accommodation. You know, the salary is great for, you know, uh, my coaching role of what I was before. My role's changed now. Um, but it is um, it's great to be. I'd always, you know, wanted to be in Latin America, you know, and you know, never thought I'd be, you know, forty-two years old and be moving to Mexico City. So, um, 
yeah, it's a great experience as a obviously with the pandemic it's changed but actually my role's changed now I've, I've now moved up to academy manager so uh, within uh, promotion next, absolutely you know and you know I'll take it that I'm probably one of the only ones left but I don't care you know <laughs> it doesn't matter mate now you are an academy manager brilliant it's two and a half years um, through you know a lot of dedication working more you know in each role that I've had you know even the younger coaches that have been there I've always worked more hours than them I've always worked more on education you know um, I'm in the you know from September I was starting my master's degree in coaching so I've always strived to catch up to close that gap with coaches yeah. that have been in this industry for a long time and every year I seem to be closing the gap and I think that I think that's that's what matters really no, it's it's fascinating, Neil, and it's your dedication and your your outlook and your approach. You know, it, if everybody had that approach, regardless of whether they started when they were sixteen or whether they started when they were forty, everybody get further. But what every people who are listening to this podcast, we say this a lot. People who are bothering to listen, listen, are hopefully the ones who will go the extra mile like you. And luckily from a from a selfish point of view thankfully not everyone's doing it because if everyone was doing what you were doing we'd be in well, me and matt be in trouble you be in trouble so it's fantastic that you've done it and anyone listening and who wants to do it that what you just said there i'm closing the gap i'm always learning i'm going the extra mile and it's one of those cliches oh, i'm going the extra mile but you have to don't and people don't just say it neil you did it you know fantastic volunteering in hanoi Two and a half years ago, you don't even say two. You can say like, what was it, twenty-eight months or the thirty months? Now you're academy manager in Mexico City. You're talking about players going on to university college and playing in playing in the Mex League or however it is the MOFC. Fantastic, ah, oh, fascinating and, meal. And you know, you know when when Love someone it. says about closing the gap and outworking or trying to outwork others, when when there's a coach who's a volunteer in somewhere taking notes all day on the sessions. You gotta believe him, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. My my boss at the time he was like, "What are you doing, taking notes?" And I was like, "This is <laughs> what's wrong with RoboCop? Who's brought RoboCop over?" <laughs> you know, I, I get it. Sometimes in Mexico City, I'm always on the sidelines because obviously the boss will take the teams, and then we'll, you know, I, I'll be on a support network, and I'm always writing notes. I'm writing notes everywhere because, you know, it's. I don't know. I think we've generally we've lost the ability to learn, right? And lost the ability to observe and and to go through a hardship of of trying to be a volunteer. You know, you get so much, you get so much more out of volunteering and starting at the bottom at this age and having to do way more than anyone else to get ahead. That we forget to write it down or learn about our processes and and live these sort of experiences. Well, people want to, you know get in let me do it you know ego let's you know i want to do this i want to do it and you just like that's great you know make sure you write it down learn from it you know reflective practice you know looking video you know all that sort of really really good stuff that i think we've we've missed out for a while it's coming back now obviously but uh, but you know i i've got to be um i've got to be a perfect example of um not believing you can do something and then actually the reality of what happens when you just put your left foot forward and then follow it with your right. Do you know what I mean? Is that don't believe everything in your head that's telling you that you can't do anything because 
it might not be in England where you can do it. And I know loads of coaches, a load of my friends on a level two, they're struggling to get roles, you know, more than six hours a week or two sessions. And, you know, they're young coaches. And if anyone is able to take anything from it, it's just get on a plane, you know what I mean? Go and move to another country, you know, really immerse yourself in trying to compete with other people where you don't speak the language. You, you'll be surprised at how quick you're able to, oh God, I've got to get my shit together here because, you know, I don't speak the language. Um, I've been coaching a couple of years and he's got a job and I want his job. So how can I get that job? So, um, yeah. I, I, absolutely. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say cheerio now, but I've been really, I'm really glad that you came on, mate, because it's really inspiring. It's inspired me. I hope it inspires and I'm sure it will do a lot of other people. And uh, it just shows you when you really put your mind to something, you can literally achieve anything you want to. And uh, I'm so happy it's worked out for you. And I hope you can get back there uh, as soon as possible and, uh, and, and get doing your, your, your good work again, mate. And who knows where the next step is. Uh, I best start getting more jobs on the, on the jobs board for you. Hey, look, you know, if I've done this in two and a half years, obviously with, you know, the network's help, imagine what I can do in another two and a half years, you know. <laughs> exactly, mate. <laughs> You're going to have to put you up as a brand ambassador or something. <laughs> It's fantastically refreshing there. Like, you know, I, I, if I was listening to this, you've just done the, the best job interview ever. I, I'd employ you tomorrow. Like, yeah, okay, exactly. Fact. That's Absolutely what it's all about. Amazing. Yeah. Like, you represented yourself so well there. Wow. It's absolutely fascinating. Yep. You know, and your, and your smile and your personality, along with your, your dedication, you know, that's, that makes you stand out. And, um, yeah, I'm not, not blowing don't want you to your head to get too big that you won't be able to get back on the plane to Mexico. But yeah, love, fantastic. Yeah. Well, we won't, be able to get, won't be able to get back into your West Ham kit. <laughs> hey, hey that, that, that'd be the lockdown spread, will it? Yeah, we're changing over to, um, we're trying to get a partnership with Everton um, uh, to take us forward. So uh, <laughs> I, I actually like the purple West Ham kit, but I'm an Everton. Yeah. Gents, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me and uh, amazing to chat. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Neil. Fantastic. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for listening to another amazing episode, a real episode from a real person. Now you're seeing what you can do when you put your mind to it and you want to do it. Stay tuned, get in touch again and make sure you subscribe to the Developing Your Football World podcast and all of your favourite platforms so you do not miss a new episode. Take care, stay strong. Boom.